This episode of Undercommon Taste is sponsored by... Are you looking for a D&D podcast with a dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old-school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. Welcome to a little bit behind schedule under common taste. Uh, <laughs> I am Ian Woodworth. I'm joined by my co-host James Daly. And today we have a wonderful and very patient guest as we work out our technical issues. John from the podcast Tale of the Manticore. John, welcome to Under Common Taste. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, James. Yeah, Great thank you for here. joining us. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and start off um uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Sure. Um, so my name's John. I, uh, I'm a Canadian living in Toronto, and I'm a high school teacher uh, by day and uh, a podcaster by night and weekend, I, I guess. And uh, about two, literally less than two years ago, I started uh, Tale of the Manticore, which is uh, a kind of an experiment in fiction where it's like half audio drama and half actual play uh, D&D game. And just to make it even more complicated, it's also a solo game. So, But, but basically, it's kind of the intersection between um, a game and uh, an audio drama. And, and there's not too much out there that's like that. There's maybe three or four other shows that are in the same kind of camp, um, but but most most people either would do like a straight up uh, audio drama or a straight up uh, AP, and um, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the middle. It, it's a difficult thing to uh, uh, imagine unless you get uh, a sample of it. So everyone, go listen to my show. <laughs> Great plug. No, I love audio dramas. So like when I was in school, I had a set bedtime, and obviously you know lights out, TV out, but the radio yeah. was still allowed. So I just uh-huh. had the radio up, and then so I'd listen to. Generally, it was AM radio because if I listened to rock, it'd be too loud and keep me awake. So I'd listen to a drone of voices. And then they had the old audio dramas, particularly like The Shadow would come on generally about 9, oh, 9 yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was always a lot of fun. For and then sure. I remember I used to have on cassette, it was the old uh, or the world's audio cassette tape with that drama. So the classic. Yeah, just just audio dramas. I've got a soft spot in my heart for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, had, I had heard of your podcast in a couple of places. I think it was, I think it was initially an ad on possibly how not to DM. Maybe. Um, but when you, you approached us in December asking for an ad swap and I was like, well, I have to listen to it before I agree to an ad swap. That's yeah. yeah fair and, enough. and so, uh, the next day I was 14 episodes in wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think, I think we can, I think we can All do right. this. Uh, and I, I think I finally, I caught up at around episode 62, 63. Wow. So, so now, wow. so now I, I get Thank that. Thank you for listening. I get that itch. I get yeah. that itch. I was like, <laughs> I got to wait two more weeks. I need more. I need more. Uh, <laughs> but this, this week, this week was a release week. And, uh, Boy, that was a that was a humdinger of an episode. <laughs> knock down, knock down, drag out. Yeah, yeah. And there were there, there were some some goofs in there. I don't want to spoil it because a lot of people aren't up to up to speed with the show. But right. um, yeah, to not spoil anything. Basically, I, I made a, a mistake as a as a player, and then as a as the DM as well. I kind of punished my player self for having made that mistake. As every good DM should. Yeah, <laughs> this is why you read your spells. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So, um, one of the questions I had pre- specifically pertaining to Tale of the Manticore is, uh, 
the the story that you've gone through in this season has been very dwarf centric. Yeah. Was that planned or was that a happy accident that came out from the way that the story just happened to progress? It was an accident. Uh, yeah, I'll say it's a happy accident at this point. Although, yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny. Dwarf, dwarf is not even like a, a race or, or class if you go all the way back to the old school. Uh, that's not even something that I would typically go for. It's not my favorite thing in Lord of the Rings. That's not my favorite part. Um, but it's, it really is just where the kind of the dice uh, dictated the story had to go. And so that's where it went. And once... Once there was like a small investment in that aspect of the story, it just made sense to stay there and continue following this story. Uh, and so um, Ben from Lawful Great Adventures says that I'm on a mission to make every podcaster uh, in the RPG sphere and turn them into the voice of a dwarf on my show. And you know, that's not entirely untrue. I think there have been, a, <laughs> I think there have been about 30. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um yeah, my my personal character, the the one that I first really played and the one that I've played the most actually yeah. is a dwarf cleric. Uh-huh. Uh he's a he's a cleric of Tyr and his name is Oscar Stoneburner. And That's good. And we that's call a, that's a tale of the Manticore kind of last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and we call him Short Angry Godman because he has a charisma of six. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's just, he's just this little, he's just this four foot three bundle of piss and vinegar. It's, it's great. <laughs> I have so much fun with him. Love it. Love it. Uh, um, with, with Tale of the Manticore, uh, you are using the BX rule set, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why did you decide to go with the BX set as opposed to a more contemporary, like, 5e or pathfinder 2e or one of the osr hacks like white hack yeah yeah it's a great question um the first of all um i'm i haven't played bx since i was like 13 or 14 years old um i you know i moved i graduated on to first edition and then second edition and then actually i stopped playing for 25 years i maybe yeah 25 years maybe even a bit more um, and so I never, I never went through like third edition or the much maligned fourth edition. I, I don't know if rightfully so or not rightfully so. Uh, and fifth edition, I've, I've been saying I want to try it at a live table because I feel like online probably wouldn't do it justice. But because of the pandemic, I still haven't ever played fifth edition. So the reason I didn't go with fifth edition is because I've never played it. And the reason I didn't reason. go with... Yeah, like it's it's a simple enough system, and I think it would work fairly well for what I'm doing. Um, it might it might be a little crunchy. I mean, it's not crunchy compared to the third edition, but it might be a little crunchy for uh, for for my show. Um, but like first or second edition, it's just too complicated. There's too many rules, and so I picked BX because I know it like the back of my hand. And I knew I wouldn't have to look stuff up. It's like second nature for me. Uh, and I knew it was fast. And so, uh, like, you know, the medium is the message, right? Like, I wanted something fast, extremely rules light, combat that went by, like, quickly. Uh, because that's one of the biggest problems, I think, with um, a typical AP is combat can tend to really drag. And so I just wanted something that was, like, fast and lethal, but, but fun. And so um, I went. That's why I went with BX. It, it's not like, like there's a schism between old school and new school. I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> um, some of the some of the sort of trappings of new school don't. They're not my taste, but I don't have a problem with it. Um, but yeah, I, went, I just went with B, BX because it was the the most sort of efficient system for a podcast where I didn't want to be spending a lot of time talking about rules. Some. But not a lot. I want to keep my episodes short too, like thirty minutes. So, um, from what I understand, in five E combats can easily go more than thirty minutes, like yeah. quite easily. Yeah. Uh, but with BX, they're they're quick. My my longest combat was probably like nine rounds worth, which translates to about twenty minutes, and that's that's like the longest one. 
No, it, that makes sense. And you bring up some good points. I mean, if you're going to do something, if you're going to build with a game, um, there is a lot to, to, to pick from. I mean, again, we've got five editions. We've got 5.5 mm-hmm. or, or six or whatever yeah. they're going to call it coming up. You've got Pathfinder. You've got a bunch of the, you know, a bajillion Savage overs. worlds, all kinds. Right. Yeah. Use what you're comfortable with. There's mm-hmm. no reason saying you can't play a third edition, a first edition, a second edition. Fourth edition, if you're weird, but okay, fourth edition, fine, yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> but if you're comfortable with those, and and you or everyone at the table are, are good with that, run with it. Again, games are supposed to be fun. Um, rules lawyering is a rule thing. I mean, yeah, that happens in most tables. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you don't rules lawyer yourself. That'd be a really interesting debate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm min maxing, but the other half of me is kind of upset about it. Hey, man, just get to character. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that, and that is something that those looking with 5e you were talking about, you know, not knowing. Um, 5e is yeah. definitely a lot less crunchy than all, some of the older versions right. and definitely leads itself to a lot more RP, which is mm-hmm. a little refreshing at times. Sometimes you mm-hmm. want that good good crunch, but definitely a lot more RP opportunities in 5th. I'm totally looking forward to playing 5th and I I could switch the show to fifth if i felt that it was a good fit and in it i'd have to like really learn it through play like not yeah. not just reading the books um I, I know that i'm probably alienating a good solid chunk of audience that'd be like uh, bx yeah sorry i just not interested at all um but yeah from my point of view any any of the system just like you said any system is going to work they're all good maybe not fourth but yeah. they're all good um, it's just the one that's going to work best for your medium. So yeah, yeah, for audio medium, I really like the BX. I suspect fifth would be good too. It's just, I don't know it well enough. Yeah. And I mean, personally, as, as a DM, as a podcaster, as someone who enjoys the game, I would suggest everyone go and at least look at the older editions. You might not necessarily have to sit down and run a campaign or play a campaign, but get a feel for how that goes because it is a lot to see how the game has changed and evolved over the years. Mm. And there are a lot of things that they have done right. And there's a lot of things that they kind of scrubbed and they yep. threw back in the past and rightly so. Um, but you kind of get a better feel for what the game is and how the game's supposed to be and a better sense of, of not belonging, but a whole system wide feel for the game by going back and looking at the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, Having listened to the show, I I personally think that the BX rules, the way that you implement them, do work a little bit better than 5th edition would. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because there are fewer things that you can do in a round in BX. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that keeps it snappy, that keeps it going mm-hmm. quick. Um, and you're not running any of these combats that are like 10, 15 individuals. They're all fairly small you got yeah. the party and yes. usually i think the most they've ever fought at one time was like four or five maybe yeah and and that became quite a quite a lot to juggle and right. so you're right you're absolutely right for the sh- for a game it's whatever i would throw whatever at a party um but for the show i find that it works best if it's like one tough baddie versus the party or or maybe a couple but once i start getting into like five six adversaries it becomes like you have to mentally keep track of this stuff yeah, if yeah. you're the listener like for me i've got it on paper but the listener doesn't have it on paper yeah that's uh, a lot for theater so, yeah exactly I, I really have to think like can your average listener who's maybe driving and somewhat distracted or doing the laundry or whatever people do can they like follow this like that's important to me because if they can't then well, what am I doing if they can't right. even follow it? Yeah. And, and I remember, I think the biggest fight you've had was the one in the bottom of the mines. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll leave oh, it, yeah. I'll leave it at that because I don't yeah. want to spoil anything. <laughs> yes. But you know, you had like 20 dwarves on one side. And so yeah. you ended up breaking them up into groups and then squads. Rolling, yeah. yeah. Doing it yeah. as squads. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that worked really well because yeah. it, it, it gave you the same feel, but without actually, uh, what's the term I'm going for without, without the need to actually roll 20 times. Yeah. Yeah. I I could have done that off mic and then come back and said, okay, I've been off the mic and now I'm back and here's what I rolled. But um, to be honest, I, I kind of set up that encounter and I'll do this all the time. 
just to kind of challenge myself. Can I make this work? Um, and also just so that it's like a different style of uh, fight. I try, I don't think I always do this, but I try and make every fight to be somehow different or unique. Like there's a tactical situation that's different, a number situation. I try not to repeat, you know, a, mo a monster. So I wouldn't be like, okay, you're fighting goblins. And then the next episode, more goblins. <laughs> and then the next one, now it's goblins on a bridge. I'll try and like change it up just so that there's like constant newness. I, I think a lot of DMs will do that. Yeah. Um, in a game again, I, I would totally repeat things. Uh, but in a podcast, I do. I want to keep it as fresh as possible. Now, see, I think you have a particular advantage where you are a high school teacher. And so, therefore, you have an idea of of what's going to grab and maintain the average attention span. I mean, either be it a student or be it a, an adult in a car or something like that. Because, I mean, about that time, especially if as an adult, if you're multitasking, your, your attention span is going to be shorter. So, you know what that hook's going to be. You kind of have an idea of when that attention span is going to start fraying or when you're starting to overload things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point. I, I do try and like change up the vibe of the show. So the, kind, kind of the way the show works for people that haven't heard it is that most of the time I'm narrating a story that is the game that I've played or, or am concurrently playing. And every now and then I'll just put on like a DM hat and then we'll go like, there'll be a different audio kind of signal that that's going to happen then i'll talk as the dm and then i'll come back to the story and then it's more like a uh a, a limited omniscient viewpoint of the um of the action uh and anyway so i try and change up the perspective every five or six minutes so that you're never listening to one mode of uh storytelling for very long Gotcha. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. What it kind of reminds me of, um, a little bit cabaret, and there's other types of theater they do, where it's like the one or two person shows. And so you'll uh -huh. have the spotlight and the person wears the hat, and they'll have like a monologue or soliloquy. And then it, it cuts out, and then it'll be just the spotlight will be all right on the next person, and it's mm -hmm. a different scene, but it's the same yeah. two people doing the same. Yeah. 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 All right. So the reason we asked you on was to talk a little bit about adapting. RPGs for solo play because uh -huh. that is something that you don't really see a whole lot. Right. Um, so in your opinion, what is the hardest aspect of the game to prepare whenever you're doing solo play versus play with a group? Okay. So, and this is, this is connected to being a podcaster. So maybe I should answer this in two different ways. As a podcaster, probably my, biggest challenge is that uh, unlike in a game where you would maybe have like a lot of attrition encounters, you know, you kind of wear down the party slowly over time because you're there for hours playing. Uh, but in the podcast, I don't, I don't feel like I can do that and, and still be interesting. And so almost every combat and i guess it, it mostly comes down to combat or or every difficult situation dangerous situation has to be probably lethal like at least have the chance of lethality or a good chance of lethality so if there's going to be a fight it's going to matter it's not going to be like you enter a guard room there's three goblins here and then boom 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 they chop them up uh, oh, you lost two hit points. You lost one hit point. No problem. We're okay. And then we go on. It's got to be like a, a like momentous occasion every time. And so there has to be like real risk. And because I don't fudge any dice, that means that every time that I set up a combat, I really might lose one or more of my PCs, which is just as heartbreaking as if they were my characters at a table. Like I, I don't want to lose them. And I'm actually nervous about the encounter that I set up. That's weird, right? But that I really do feel like, and, and the longer they live, and they've been really lucky so far, some of them, <laughs> not all of them, uh, the longer they live, actually, the more attached I get, as you do, and the more I'm worried that they're going to die. And, um, and that could happen at any time. So that's, and, and also because it's a podcast where I have a, an audience that's listening for certain elements, I feel like there's got to be a combat every three episodes. Like I can't go too, too long with just description and ex exploration and role play. 
there's got to be combat. I try and keep like the three pillars in mind and keep it balanced. And so that means like every third episode, there's a chance, a decent chance that I'm going to lose one of my PCs. And so, and so that's probably like the biggest challenge as a solo player and podcaster. Um, if I was not podcasting, I guess that problem would go away because I could make much lower stakes encounters. And I guess I would. And in, in that case, maybe the problem then is um, the conflict of interest between what the players would know and what the DM would know. The weird thing is that that is not a huge problem. Like I, that's the, what I expected to be the big problem when I started doing this. And in fact, if you'd asked me before I started, I probably would have just said, yeah, that's it's impossible. You just could never reconcile that issue. But then actually doing it, yeah, you can. It's actually, it's it's rarely, rarely, rarely comes up that there is, you know, truly a problem. Um, occasionally, I'll have characters that are kind of like in a labyrinthine maze, and they have, they would have no idea which way to go. None. In that case, maybe I'll flip a coin and say, heads, they go correctly towards their goal, and tails, they go the wrong, like away from their goal. But I don't, I don't use like a, a GM emulator. Those are great tools. I did, I wasn't even aware they existed when I started, but things like Mythic, I don't Have you ever heard of Mythic? No, I've not no. heard of a GM oh. emulator at all. What's this? Let me talk about this stuff because <laughs> okay. even though I don't use it, it is fascinating. Do you want to do like a little experiment right now? Sure. On air? Sure, yeah. Because I have Mythic right here. Just because I've been messing around with it because I love this idea. Let me let me explain it in a nutshell. So Mythic is basically a pen and paper AI for uh, a GM. So you can play solo or you can even play with a group of players with no GM just using a couple of tables. And so what would happen is let's, let's cook up a scene right now with the three of us. Okay. Um, Give me a character class. Cleric. Cleric. Okay. Um, James, a cleric walks into, uh, give me a place. Uh, let's, let's go with uh, a shop. Okay. Cleric walks into a shop and they're going to buy a new uh, a set of armor, right? Okay. So they're, when we're going to say they're in a city. Okay. They're in a city. They walk into a shop. They're going to buy a new set of armor. And this is kind of set up as a scene in a movie. That's how the mythic GM emulator works. They're all like scenes. I think Dungeon World does stuff like that as well. And let's say that they talk to um, the the shopkeep. And you, now you want to have a story element happen. You don't want it to just be a shopping trip where they're like, okay, I'll take this, 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 this subtract the money and blah, blah, blah. You want to make it a story element. Okay. And so there's there's a set of tables in the mythic book here. And you roll on these tables with a D100. I have one here, so I'm going to do it right now. All right. So whenever I come to a question where I don't know what's going to happen, I, I like, oh, something's going to happen with this uh, shopkeep, but I don't know what it is. So I got my D100. I'm going to roll on the table. I've got a 62, and I look on the table, and it says the word inspect. And then I roll one more time on a different table, and it says the word a burden. Okay, so I have these cues, inspect a burden. And now, myself alone or with the other players at the table, we have to make that make sense. And that's where the story goes. Whatever makes logical sense with inspect a burden. Maybe maybe my cleric is carrying um, a big bag of gold, and the shopkeeper now looks at it, and I decide like the thing that makes the most sense is the shopkeeper is going to try and um, bamboozle me out of my money by selling me some kind of you know uh, magic ar- uh, weapon or armor, and but it's it's a fake or something like that, and so that's how these emulators work. And the cool thing about them is that. I maybe would never have thought that the shopkeeper is going to try and con my character. But now I have this idea and it's way like right field of where I thought this would go. And so the story actually gives you all of the surprises that a real human DM could give you. Maybe maybe even more surprising because 
the tables are so random and sometimes you have to make sense of some really weird stuff uh and it it can just lead it could be more creative than you are basically That's really awesome i absolutely yeah. love that I kind there's of... a there's a couple of shows out there. Sorry, there's okay. a couple of shows out there. Let me let me plug some really quality uh, content, guys. Uh, on YouTube, there's Trevor Duvall who does uh, Me Myself and Die, and Trevor Duvall sets the bar. He's good. Not only is he like a great DM, great storyteller, but he also is like a great videographer. And so he's got multiple camera setups. It's it's slick. It's beautiful. Um, Check out me, myself, and die. If nothing else, check out that. I, um, I vaguely mm. remember. I think he was on uh, Dragon Talk, like a year or so surprised. ago. I, yeah. I, I vaguely remember an interview with him talking about the his show. Yeah, yeah. I reached out to him to do a voice, actually, and he graciously did. Which I wasn't sure if he would, because he's also a professional voice actor, oh, and I was kind of asking yeah. him to volunteer what he does for a professional. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I. I think I kind of approached him like, you can totally tell me to jump off a cliff, but I, I'm a big fan and I would love to have you on the show. And he said yes, and boy, he not he, he was so good, it makes the rest of my podcast sound bad. That's awesome. I wonder like if you really wanted that voice. I know they have like, what is it, like Cameo or whatever, where they have voice actors. Yes. Go. That would that would almost be worth worth the cost of admission i think to have i wonder yeah to have yeah. someone voice act for like a, a campaign just for like a one or two like thing but yeah. even with your emulator i was like that like gives me a great idea something kind of like whose land it is anyway or like an improv show and just base it around even with people at the table yes and just have it go that way so you know they roll random you know kind of pick a class pick a thing pick a scenario and then just play it out um absolutely I, yeah again i'm a huge fan of tabletop games D, just games in general Mm-hmm. in education if you were like in a theater group or or something like that or, or working on oh, interpersonal definitely. skills something mm-hmm. like this to just just lends itself to something that's very imaginative and very fun 100 percent. actually you know i don't know if you know the game the quiet year i have not um, another really yeah. fun one and uh, it's like a map making game there's no characters or anything you're basically creating a a one year chronology of events for uh for a settlement um and actually, I've I've started making it a tradition to play that with my uh, senior students at on the last day of school. And actually, every time I've done it, it's been a real hit. But um, before that, I, I never used RPGs in school. I like to keep my work and my gaming life very, very <laughs> separate. Uh, I don't even use my last name in the podcast just because I don't really want any of my students to Google me and, and find and find Manticore. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm trying trying to remember who the author of The Quiet Year is. It's uh, Avery. That sounds right. Uh, I have it right over there, but I'm going to have to look this up after I can't remember. Um, World Build With Us had them on for an interview a while back. That's that's where I got familiar with their work. They're another great group. Go check them out, too. World Build Us. I mean, always, always good group. we've, We've done a collab with them. We're hopefully going to do another one eventually, <laughs> whenever whenever our schedules align again. When the stars align, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the Elder Gods awaken. <laughs> when when the sun rises in the west. Yes. <laughs> so so going through with another question, if someone was going to try to do a solo, you know, kind of do the, run their own solo campaign, yeah, do you think this is something good for newer players to kind of try and learn game rules, or is this something you would say is better for advanced players? I can't speak from experience on this because <laughs> I never tried it when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. And and so I've got a bunch of years of experience doing this. But my my gut says that it would be harder. Not impossible at all. But basically, you have to know one set of rules. You know, you're going to play 5E. You're going to play basic. You're going to play Savage Worlds. You could use it for literally literally any, any RPG. You could use uh, an emulator like Mythic. Uh, or Iron Sworn, or any of the the other ones that have kind of come up in the wake of Mythic. Um, but I think you have to know the one system well, and then you have to know this second system of how to do the DM emulator. And there's a there's a little learning curve there. It's actually it's not bad at all. There's like five things to know. Um, but but they, now you're layering them. So I think that it would work better for somebody who already knew 
a system, any system, but a system like very well. Okay. So this yeah. is not something to cut your teeth on then. Like I wouldn't try it for myself with 5e because I think I would spend 90% of the time looking stuff up and 10% of the time playing. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, going back to the, uh, to the podcast real quick. Um, there is one of your characters that has a voice that isn't you that I, I don't know that I've ever heard a credit for who is voicing them. Oh yes, that's true. That's true. So who's, who's the voice of Aerodine? <laughs> that's, that's my wife. Okay. Actually. Yeah. So when I started the show, uh, I kind of, you know, I very quickly realized that I did not have enough voices in me. Like I think I've got like four and I needed more. And especially like the female characters, I was already a little self-conscious voicing uh, the character Umura. And then I was like, I definitely don't have two female voices in me. I don't even have the one really. And so I kind of just begged her to do it. And she graciously agreed. And at some point, that character lost their voice, but that actually, it wasn't like one day she said, listen, I'm done with, <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> the, the story really did go there. Yeah. So I just, I just ran with that idea when I saw it going there. Um, it's, a, it's a convenience that I don't have to like, go and run and get my wife and bring her to the microphone like every time I'm recording, which is like every other day. Uh, and so that, it was convenient, but I, I didn't engineer it to happen that way. Um, and also it, it kind of made that character even cooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that definitely if that story and stuff, absolutely. Yeah. Cause, cause now she gets to have a little bit of a rasp in there. Now she sounds like Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Batman voice is always great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the Christian Bale Batman voice, I mean, we don't want like, you know, like the George <laughs> Clooney, it wasn't my best Batman. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I haven't seen the new Batman. <laughs> I haven't yet either. I, can, I, I, can Pattinson pull off that? I'm Batman. Can he, can he do that? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. He's got to shake that whole Twilight thing first, though. I don't know if all, that's going to happen. Of, all, of my <laughs> friends, all of my friends who have seen it say that it is really good. I've heard it's good as well. Um, but I, I did also see the, the meme that uh, Robert Pattinson is the worst vampire because it took him 14 years to turn into a bat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. That's good. That's good. Yeah, actually, he's a pretty good actor. I, I kind of slept on him, but um, have you seen The Lighthouse? That's like some serious, serious acting. And oh, I'm I sure not a one. big payday. It's like almost an art film. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, I think, I, think he, I think he suffered from a poor choice of role. He got typecast, right? Yeah. And typecasting yeah. is a difficult thing. I mean, brooding, just, brooding, yeah. pretty boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I'm sure he did not mind the, all the checks that were written. <laughs> no, uh, if he ever wants to give that up, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'd be prood, brooding, pretty, pretty boy. If I could get that kind of, I mean, sure. Typecast me all you want. Go for it. <laughs> I'll do it for 10%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, with, with Tales of the Manticore, do you have anything like, big that you're trying to hatch or you're working up do you have anything that you're like you're you're kind of chomping at the bit to get to or yes is it all just kind of at the moment so you definitely have plans for for the longest time it was very much of the moment and and i'm sure you guys will appreciate that as a podcaster you're kind of living in two two points of time right there's there's the point of time where i'm playing the game and writing the script concurrently and that's kind of how it happens. I'll sit down at the keyboard and I'll start typing uh, what a DM would say maybe to the characters uh, and have them respond, keep on typing, making a script. And then when, when I need dice, they come out, I roll them, I record the results on the screen and keep on going. But the release date is actually like eight episodes behind that. Right. So I'm, or, or the other way of looking at it is I'm always like eight episodes ahead of the release. Uh, and so that actually nice. right now, it's it's nice, but it's. I try not to get. I try and balance it so that I'm not so far ahead that I lose touch with what's actually being released in kind of real real time right. to, to to the public. Uh, because if I get too far ahead, then I'm comfortable with my buffer and I don't have to worry about deadlines. But I can kind of forget what's going on, and I might slip up. I might spoil something, and I don't want to do that. 
But um, right now, on my other computer over here, I've actually got the script for the finale. So, so yeah, I'm actually like working on the last episode for season one, and my brain is – I can't stop – getting new ideas for season two. Actually, I want to stop getting ideas for season two because <laughs> I don't want any kind of railroad. I, I want it to be like random and have a chaos element to it and have those moments where you just come up with something like we did with Inspector Burden. I want to have those moments as I play yeah, and not just be like, oh, wow, I've got a list of 20 cool things and I'm going to get to one and then I'm going to get to two and then I'm going to get to three because then I'm just telling a story and I really want to maintain that balance of story slash game. Right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think those moments are what make really make the game and make the game memorable. Yeah, yeah. And and they're what makes it a game other than just dice rolling, which admittedly is a big part. But, but that sort of thinking on the fly right. some of the time, I think you need, you need that. Yeah. Other, otherwise, it feels too canned. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Now, now, speaking of canned, is there a particular monster that you want to bring on the table for your party, or maybe so you're too scared many. to? <laughs> so many, so many. So, I, I've I've decided, I guess, fairly early, fairly early in the story. Once the story grew legs and became, you know, crawled out of the sea and started walking on land. Once the story had evolved to a certain level, I was like. I, I really want it to be a dragon. I would I was trying to plug into a certain sense of nostalgia and I thought it's it's D and D. I want to have some dungeons and I want to have some dragons and I want it to feel classic. Yeah, yeah, I want it I want it to feel like classic even if it felt like like tropes. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like I'm I'm totally fine with that actually. It doesn't I don't have to like reinvent the wheel. So I thought last last battle is going to be like a huge ancient red dragon. It's my dream. Okay. Uh, for season two, though, I want to do something else that's kind of classic. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't want to decide too early, but there are many, many, many monsters that I would love to use. A beholder. Yeah. It's something I would love to use. It, I have to make it make sense. Right. I, like there are no times in my story where it's like you walk into a room. There's an Odiug in it. Why is there an Odiug in it? Just because there is. Like that never happens. Everything Because D and D you throw dice. Yeah. In a game, in a game, a hundred percent do it. For but for the show, like everything has to be there for a reason. Right. I don't want it to feel like random, which is why like dungeon crawl can't really happen, because dungeon crawls are just kind of like and now this, right? And now this different thing that doesn't connect to anything else. Remember, did you watch the first season of Lost forever years ago? Yeah, I did. So they're in the middle yeah. of the jungle, and they have that one episode where just out of nowhere, hey, look, a polar bear. A polar bear. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and then we shoot it. Yeah. All that would be cool if they could make it make sense. Like, right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sh- if you felt this way, but watching Lost, the more they threw in this weird random stuff, the more I was thinking, I cannot wait to see how they're going to cleverly tie this up. But then like a few seasons in yeah, and you start to get this sinking feeling like they do not have an end game in mind. No. This isn't going somewhere clever. This is just a dog's breakfast of randomness for the <laughs> sake of randomness. Right. And, and then of course at the end, everybody was kind of like let down. Yeah. I think. No, yeah. like uh, the first season was great. I loved the second season where I start throwing the Easter eggs and everything. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then third season, Hey, and I was just like, and I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I made the mistake of thinking that like other shows, you could skip ahead. Oh, mm-hmm. oh no. <laughs> so, so I, I, I watched season one. I got like halfway through season two. I was, I was borrowing the DVDs from uh, the residence hall director when I was in college and I didn't get to finish season two. But at that particular time, season four had just wrapped. And I'm next semester, I'm down in the lobby and they've got like the second episode of season five on. And I sit down and I'm like, oh, I mean, I, I can I can do this. I, no, no. <laughs> it's like, I don't know who any of these people are. Right. They're they're in a they're in a shanty town for yeah. some reason. 
Where did the shanty town come from? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I will say with Lost, they had they had two really big issues. This one, they had some really strict rules with their actors, which is really good. So if their actors got in trouble, they'd boot them from the show, which oh, okay. not not a terrible idea. So there was a couple that got caught drunk driving and stuff like that. And they're like, huh. yeah, we're killing off your characters because we don't want you attached to the show. That's fine. And then yeah, I think you had one of the two really big writer strikes that happened in the middle of that too. Right. Yeah. And yeah there was a that. lot of shows. Uh, Battlestar Galactica was another one mm-hmm. where it was going great one direction. You had the writer strike, and it picked back up, and it went somewhere completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really feel like if you're telling a story, like a movie or a TV show, it it does have to make sense right. in the end. And same but, with the podcast. I mean, it kind of tying it back in. You need to have that thread. Yeah, but it also has to have an element of randomness because that's that's the part that makes it a game. So I I knew that I wanted my big bad to be a dragon, but I didn't know how they were going to get there or, you know, there was no, there's no railroad. Right. And I, and I do also have to say that Nera Numenax is a wonderful dragon name. (laughs) Thank you. I just tried to make it as oldie schooly as humanly possible. And somehow that popped into my mind and I was like, that's it. It's got an X in it. Yeah. That works. (laughs) Yeah. That's one. That's one of the rare cases where it's not an anagram of like somebody I met on Twitter who sent me a, a piece of art, and I was like, "Oh my god, thank you! I'm putting you in the show." I, I have a, I have a, which bronze, is a great name to make characters too. Yeah, I have, a, I have a bronze dragon in my home game, and his name is uh, Arl Dormu. Oh, that's I, quite good too. I, I went, I went just, after let me just the, write that down. Yeah, I went after the uh, the World of Warcraft naming conventions with. Uh, uh, Dormi Dormu as the end uh, for uh, Bronze Dragons. So. Nice. All right. I think I am done with questions. James, do you have any more questions? I don't think I have any more either. So. All right. Well, then, the one thing that we really like to do when we have our guests on is to roll some dice on our random table for Monster Mashup. And make a monster on the fly. Oh boy! But not not with Jeff Goldblum because that's a completely different kind of monster fly. <laughs> that's a monster that is a fly. Because <laughs> life life finds a way. Indeed, it does. Indeed, it does. So, if you have some dice, mm-hmm. well, that was a whole Goldblum adventure we just took there, right? Yeah, <laughs> from the fly to Jurassic Park, probably some <laughs> other stuff hidden in there. Well, I mean, we I do have a collector dice. from uh, from Avengers, <laughs> right? Uh, All right, which die right. am I grabbing? So, for starters, let's get a D four, a D four for our mode of locomotion. Okay, that's the only one I didn't pull out. I was like, I'm sure they're not going to ask for a D four. Well, we're going to ask for all of them. Yeah. All right, D four. Got it. All right. Okay, mode of locomotion. I've got helicopter. No, I've got a three. A three? It burrows. Hey, Ian. Okay. Hey, hey James. Yes. Like like Edgar Rice. So so I, I've been wanting for a while to make, make a bot fly larva of some sort, and he keeps telling me we can't. But I mean, if it burrows, <laughs> parasitic creatures are perfect. I'm just saying, if, it, if it's small... Parasitic creatures are perfect. Well, okay, you you went right for the skin. I was thinking Earth, but we, okay, we, skin works. We we are we are going to figure this out with the dice, James. Right, right, right. Boy, I if, thought if I, the I dice, was dark. If the dice say so, I cannot I cannot contradict the dice. Let's Last go. time they were gargantuan. That's why we couldn't have boffles. <laughs> All right. Next up is a D6 roll for what okay. does it eat? I got a four. Four fruits slash vegetables. Okay. Okay. So we're seeing less, like fierce, bugs less fearsome at this point. We, we've got to go for a Bugs Bunny thing going. Right. Right. Or, What's I mean, it, it could be like mealworms. It could yeah. be something that burrows into fruit. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this will inform a lot. A D8 roll for size. Mm-hmm. Eight. It's colossal. Oh my! Colossal. Okay. I kn- I have an idea. It's a scary idea. It's a terrible idea. I have an idea. 
Okay. The World Cicada. (laughs) (laughs) The World Cicada. Okay. The World Cicada. (laughs) I mean... Okay. (laughs) Um, Really? Yeah, are just, there more roles to come? Oh, yeah, oh yes, there are. There are plenty more roles. Yes. I just, okay. I just got thrown off by World <laughs> Cicada. Um, all right. Next is another D8 role okay. for social organization. A four. Four. Family. So matriarch plus patriarch and offspring. Wow. Okay. Colossal family. I mean, they'd probably branch off as as they get older, yeah. So there's definitely going to be some life life stages involved, I'd imagine. I keep my brain's going to whales. Yeah, whales would be okay. great. I yeah, like but, it. But burrowing. Oh yeah. Well, burrowing through the water is another way of saying to swim. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I like it. <laughs> I mean, we denoted that swimming doesn't necessarily have to be liquid. swimming does not necessarily have to be through water so burrowing yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be through solids yeah or what if it was something like you know like a giant maybe it burrows and swims i mean it could be something in a in a uh, water plane or something or even just a deep ocean so it has the ability to like a flounder a flounder can kind of burrow uh-huh. and then surface and come up or yeah. or it could be something like I mean, this doesn't fit very well with the diet, but, you know, like a an ice burrowing creature. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, you could easily make like an ice plant or an ice tundra, though. I mean, it's not like we're not running a homebrew podcast. <laughs> right. But, you know, these these sort of these sort of terrains don't lend themselves. You know what? Let's just, roll a, let's just roll a D10 because that's the next thing we're, we're going to be talking about. I was going to say, Plankton native, envir- native environment. environment. Yeah, let's, let's, okay. let's settle this out. It's a 10. It's a 10, underground. Okay. 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 That's still, I mean, that can still be in a liquid environment. Again, it could be underground ocean. It could be underground mountain. It could be between the two. It could be an aquifer. It could like be lava. The, yeah. So now I'm thinking purple worm. Does that work with all the... I don't know if they're particularly family-oriented creatures, but... Uh, I mean, it kind of works with the rest. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. No. Something along those lines, yeah. I'm, I'm liking the feel so far. But I want want to get a little bit away from the actual purple worm. Yeah. Right. Just so, yeah. so we have something a little bit different. Right. Yes, um, yeah. Well, let's keep rolling and see. Let's maybe keep we'll rolling and see legs. what else yeah. we got. Okay. Uh, next up is going to be a D12 roll for method of defense. Cool. This this idea of like trying to make sense of these random prompts is exactly how the DM emulator works, by the yeah. way. Yeah, we're, we're basically doing, doing <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, a seven. A seven. Fleeing. Huh. Okay. So it is not terribly aggressive. I like it. So I'm just is... I'm just wanting to know what in the world does this colossal worm have to flee, flee. from? Right. Well, it's a vegetable eater, so maybe it's, it's hypersensitive. Maybe it it's is not a, not a predator. Yeah, yeah, definitely not predatory. But maybe it's hypersensitive. Maybe it's like sound, or maybe it's got a lot of um, like nerve yeah. endings, so it's very you know reactive to touch. So if I you attack it, it's going to want to back. Yeah. I can see that, especially if we're going off of a purple worm sort of vibe, because they do have tremor sense. So they right. they they sit they perceive their environment through the vibrations in the ground. Yeah, I think I think I might be getting an idea here, and it's very far from purple worm. Okay, um, should I share it now, or should we keep rolling? Yeah, no, yeah keep, go ahead. Yeah. So this is half baked, uh, but I'm thinking that the monster is going to be some kind of colony or network of fungus or mushrooms with like big, big network of underground. Like uh, yeah. Yeah. But not, but probably not like bipedal or anything like that. It might slowly move around. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't see it as like an anthropomorphized mushroom so much as like a huge field of fungus okay. that could move kind of very, very slowly underground uh, I like it. Eating nutrients or plant life or whatever. And that would be like a non-predator 
and it might be fleeing very slowly, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) But I I could see it being just like this enormous network that works with the with the family thing in in a kind of weird way too. Yeah, it does. I like this too. So you have the giant, you know, like the main grove tree in a arch druid's grove. Mm -hmm. We now have the circle of the mushroom. Circle of spores, uh, yeah. Circle of spores. So maybe this right. is like their 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 home myconid or their home fungi, you know. And they say the largest living organisms. In fact, it is a large network of yeah of the, the, mushrooms the, and yeah. The circle of spores druid grove is actually a circle of giant toadstools. So yeah, right. these would just be the yeah. fruiting body of this entity. And you I've, I've heard them described image. as like a, a single entity, like they're individual plants, but mm-hmm. they're they're a hive mind. Yeah, no, I'm and, you, this. and you cannot kill it in a way that matters. This is true. I, I right. love that post. I right. love that post. <laughs> yeah. All right. So well, that's cool. I like maybe the idea of I'll, fleeing is that if one piece is killed, it just gets ejected from the rest of the group. That yeah. would be a that would yeah. be an interpretation of fleeing. Yeah, uh, it just severs one. like it severs that connection part of it, retracts, and it kind of just leaves an island. Or yeah, or it, it could be it could scale. be something something akin to like uh, puffball mushrooms. Okay, right. Where as a as a response, like the entire cap just punk. Right. Just, oh yeah, it just, just jettisons. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, and and so and that's that's also how they spread. Is you know. You know, something oh, good. something comes in and goes to nibble on this mushroom cap, and it's just that automatic response, kind of like, uh, um, was it snapdragons? The the plants where you touch them and the seed pods pop yeah. and the seeds go everywhere, that yeah, sort of right. thing. Yeah, no, I and like so, that. That's so, a great idea. so in fleeing, it's the fruiting body escapes from the parent. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I like that. I like where this cool. is going. I yeah, really yeah. do. All right. Next is a D20 roll because we're going into quirks. Okay, this is going to torpedo the whole idea. Isn't it? <laughs> it might. I have got a two. A two? Yeah, that's how I roll on D20s, folks. That's all right. <laughs> two. Uh, Mimic is able to appear oh, as another God. creature common in the environment. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that is perfect. That is absolutely perfect. It could appear as some kind of like ooze or slime, or it could appear as cavern wall. Small trees, smaller like other plants. Gambling mound, yeah. Even like rocks or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or it could be like um have hallucinogenic properties. So it doesn't Ooh, actually like change it. shape, oh. but you perceive yeah. something else. So like you eat it and you like it's like a cast a dazzling spray cantrip or or yeah. Is it uh, that would be a form spray, of yeah. like uh, spray, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be like a form of camouflage if you know, you ate it, or if there were puff spores, spores or whatever, yeah. and suddenly you see something something completely different. Not it. I can I can definitely see that as being an inhalation effect of the spores, and just yeah. how it has it would just have this aura within yes. the area where it persists. Where you walk in, and if you are not say immune to poison, you breathe in these spores, and it makes you hallucinate and see the terrain as being slightly different it instead of instead of this giant mushroom in the center of this ring of toadstools it presents as just a tree in a druid's grove yeah Yeah. i love that so yeah i think as we write this up it it should have you know the the prismatic spray as a atwell cantrip and it can be from the spores or whatever but yeah i know it makes sense that this thing would have a defense from you know animals that would try and eat it right Right, yeah all this makes sense are you really going to write this up? I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We we do, wait. we do with all of them. I can't wait. Um, and now it's time to make it weird. <laughs> oh, now it's time to make it weird. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's buckle up. So, get so now I need a D100 roll. Uh-huh. 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 22. 22. This, this also works. Any severed slash discarded body parts can regenerate into a clone of the creature. Perfect. That definitely yeah. works. This is beautiful. There's I your fruiting cap right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you get you guys gotta publish this system? Is this your <laughs> system? Um this is me modifying a a table that I found on a blog spot 
a while ago. It's a random bug generator was the awesome. original. And oh I modified God, should, it. I modified it a little this. bit. I modified it a little bit to uh, work a little better with D&D monsters. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ring. Hat, 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 hat. Excuse me. All right, James. Because we do two, do you want to do the second D100 roll or do you want me to? I can. I haven't done one in a while. Let me yeah, pop this thing ahead. up here. There's my dice roll. There we go. I'm seeing a 15. 15. Bounces instead of taking fall damage. Huh. That kind of <laughs> works with the fruiting body, depending on how high it ejects. Yeah. So it's huh. going to bounce and roll. Boy, that's, that's, that one has uh, thrown me for uh, a loop. <laughs> Bounces. No, I like that because, again, it depends on how, how heavy or how hard that ejects as it flees. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's on a mountainside or something like that, instead of crushing that fruiting body, it would be able to hit and bounce and roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, so maybe it can grow through caverns and gorges and whatnot. Are there like some like like a tumbleweed goes into a ball shape so that it can roll around and, and yeah. sort of move? Maybe that's what happens with the cap is that it kind of goes into a maybe it's ball shaped to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And so it rolls or bounces instead of splats. Okay. Oh. Well, I was thinking I mean, you know, I would, you've got that general shape of a mushroom cap anyway. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it kind of looks like a, a lander cap from either like the Soyuz or the old Mercury. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that would hit and they're rounded. So it would just it would tumble and roll fairly well. I'm yeah. I'm almost seeing this as it it's normally a fairly flat cap, and whenever mm-hmm. it triggers, it snaps. Okay, uh-huh. it's so uh-huh. it snaps shut into a ball. Okay, yeah. yeah, and so it and then it jettisons off. It, it gets yeeted into the void, <laughs> and then whenever this makes sense because now the predator is going to go chase the food and hopefully leave the main body oh, alone. Yeah, no, that or, makes perfect sense. Or it's just going to spook and, and, and run oh, away. Or it's going to get a face full of prismatic spray in the process and get completely disorientated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that is a that is a beautiful defense I love system. It. I love and it. The, yeah. and, then, and then after it's stopped, you know, after a while, everything relaxes and then it opens back up. And that's what lets the spores actually emerge and the fruit. And, and Yeah, and actually re- respawn. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this has been a wonderful, wonderful, yeah, crazy thing. That <laughs> that was a great idea, John. That yeah. That oh was... well, thanks. I think I maybe I have a name. Are, are we going to? Yeah, are we going to. If name? We got a name. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. We do name these two. Yeah, let me let me recap first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So our recap is that it burrows. Um, it's uh, it feeds on fruits and vegetables. Oh, so vegetation, I guess, in this yeah. case. Um, it is colossal in size. Its social organization is family, so parents plus offspring. Its natural environment is underground. Its defense mechanism is to flee. It is a natural mimic, and it mimics uh, other creatures or terrain features in the common in the environment. Um, its severed body parts will form clones of the original if cut off and it bounces instead of taking fall damage. So John, what, what crazy, what crazy name have you got for this thing? You can veto this. <laughs> we um, barely do. Now, now I'm less confident, but I, I like your idea of the prismatic spray. So I thought we could call it prismaticillin. Dude, I like it. I really, really like that. Yeah. I think we got it in one. Well done. Nice. Well, well done. Yeah. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. yeah that's, Boy, that's, that that's always, that's always our very favorite, cool. yeah, we always our favorite part of the episode is, is whenever, whenever we get to roll on the table. And it wasn't usually, something I'm sure you usually horrendous. get something deadly, right? Don't you normally get something like nightmarish and deadly? We've had a couple Quite of nightmares. Often. Um, they're yeah. not all nightmares. They're not all deadly. We've had we've had some that were, like the siren was kind of cool. The siren wound up being kind of like a um, almost cyberpunky, where it was a, uh-huh. a floating uh, advertisement that became self aware. It, it swam, so we said it swam through EM fields. 
Right. Yeah. Right. That, that it, was really it, funny. It followed, it followed uh, high voltage power lines. Yeah. Right. Very good. Um, I love it. Well, we, we also had the groupie. Yeah. Which was basically a giant uh, living rubber ducky. <laughs> yeah. Not what I thought you were going to say. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, basically it, it shows up at Mardi Gras and everybody thinks that it's just another float. <laughs> and, so, and so it just follows everybody. Yeah. That one was a lot of fun. That one was um, a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Like, yeah. Go ahead. So the other thing that we like to do with our guests is to have them give a shout out to someone else in the community, uh, another podcaster, content creator, a musician, uh, artist, Etc. Who would you like to give a shout out to today? Boy, how much time have you got? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I already shouted out Trevor Duvall, so let me let me let me shout out some um, someone who uh, is maybe like not a podcaster and probably somebody who does something you guys wouldn't have featured on this show yet. I'm guessing he, this is a guy named Justin feel who does a web comic called keep on the borderlands. You could just Google keep on the borderlands web comic. And, um, his, his, his MO is really similar to mine. So he's doing a web comic using like old school D and D tropes, classic D and D. And, uh, just like my show, he, he makes all of the story decisions by rolling dice. Uh, And so it's, it we're, we're kind of brother and sister. And, and just recently uh, Justin has been um, kind of just randomly sending me kick ass artwork um, (laughs) about, about tale of the manticore. Uh, I got to shout out a couple other guys too, Roland Diaz and Simon J Williams. Uh, These three guys, they send me artwork that is like professional level and it, blows my mind that anybody would care about my show enough to to draw art for it and then so you know as a podcaster of course we make a lot of money right guys (laughs) right (laughs) but but the real the real joy is when like you find that people are invested in your show to like just more than a casual degree like that is thrilling to me and uh actually if you can hang on just one second Okay, here we go. So I got this in the mail recently, and it's a scene from my show. Oh, that's awesome. And somebody sent this to me from England, and of course I, I had to like frame it and put it up beside like in my studio here where I can like look up at it and if I ever feel like why am I making this and spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and, hours and all the effort one look at that and question answered. Yeah, no, that's totally, that's, that's, that's why I'm that's that's why I'm doing it. That is unbelievable to me. That is really awesome. And you were talking about the what is it? In, uh, into the Borderlands. Keep on the Borderlands. Keep on the Borderlands. I need to look that up because you know there's been a void since I stopped following Order of the Stick. You know, kind of slowly yeah. kind of petered yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, his name is Justin Justin Feel P F E I L. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a few uh, a few issues of the comic floating around here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've not gotten a chance to go and actually read it, but but I I, I do enjoy the art style that he uses in, in the few eps- in the few issues that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. My insomnia hours are spoken for. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing, uh, we want you to promote you. Yes, please. So go ahead and tell us where we can find you, where we can find your podcast, anything else that you have that uh, people might be interested in. Thanks very much. So um, I guess to to give the shortest elevator pitch, Tale of the Manticore is a hybrid between... Uh, an RPG solo game and an audio drama. It's got an old school classic D&D feel. It's also uh, quite dark and grim and there's no plot armor or um, second chances. There's no rerolls. There's no dice fudging. And so um, there's exultation in it, but there's also tragedy. Uh, there's horror, but I also try and 
balance that out with some beauty. Uh, you can get it wherever you get podcasts. Just uh, look for Tale of the Manticore. Not Tales, because that's the Pixar one from Onward, <laughs> a spinoff or something. Anyway, Tale of the Manticore, it's on every podcasting platform. Uh, and I guess if you are looking for an entry into solo gaming, I, I did put out a rules ultralight solo game onto DriveThruRPG called One Shot in the Dark. Uh, the idea being a game that you could learn in five minutes and le- really actually finish a game in an hour. So it's a one-shot that's actually a one-shot. Usually one-shots end up being a two or a three or a four-shot or, you know, the the middle is ripped out of them because, oh, oh my goodness, we're running out of time. Right. So that one's called One-Shot in the Dark, and um, it's like a buck fifty. So I, I almost put it up for free, but then I thought, you know what, maybe people will see it for free and think it's not good. <laughs> so I decided to put up for a buck 50. All right. Well, John, thank you so very much yes, for joining us today. For for having taste. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I enjoyed so much. Yeah. And thank you everyone for watching. Uh, if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas, please send us an email under common taste at gmail.com or send us a direct message through our Twitter account at UCT homebrew. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch. Just search Under Common Taste. You'll find us. Um, We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Under Common Taste. That's where all of our write-ups go. That's where our write-up for our uh, Prismaticillin is going to be going up. That's just an amazing name. Again, well done on that one. Beautiful. Done. <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, most of our stuff is free. We do have some patron-exclusive stuff. Our most recent patron exclusive is our guide to creating heirloom items in 5th edition. Uh, If you would like to help support the show financially, please come and consider becoming a patron. Finally, we are on Discord, and you can find a link to our Discord in the show notes. If this is your first time hearing us, again, thank you for finding us. I hope you guys all enjoyed. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Again, we're on Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google. Just search under Common Taste. We'll pop up. Uh, You've got our whole log there. Uh, Again, thank you. Always, please give us a rating and review. This helps increase our visibility and it lets us know what you want to hear more of. Thank you once more, John, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Happy gaming. Thank you for listening to another episode of Undercommon Taste. You can find links to all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, as well as our Patreon and Discord channel in the show notes. Our theme song is Massacre Anne, written and performed by Mary Crowell and used with permission. You can find more of her work at marycrowell.bandcamp.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash drmaryccrowell. Our logo was illustrated by David Sutherland. You can find him on Instagram at willex underscore 73 or on DeviantArt at DeviantArt.com slash David Sutherland. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week.